With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network's YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, but not always here on a Tuesday, but I wanted to do a special show, regardless of who won last night, to talk about Game 7, because frankly, I didn't really want to wait until Thursday to talk about it, just because we'd be talking about the finals by that point, and you know, this, this Game 7, regardless of who won, would be kind of a distant memory, especially if the Boston Celtics would have won, and we know how that, we know how that works. Uh, congratulations, though, to the Miami Heat on winning Game 7 resoundingly by final score. Of 103 to 84. I will talk about that game in just a second. Sort of why I, you know, so I, I believe in the Heat all season long. Check the tape back in February when I did my pretenders and contenders. I said the Heat were NBA championship contenders. People thought I was nuts. And here they are, four wins away from the title, although they have as tough of a challenge as ever taking on the Western Conference champions, Denver Nuggets, who've just been chilling for the last week. I'll also talk about the future of the Boston Celtics. Uh, and where do they go from here, right? They make the Eastern Conference Finals. They won 57 games. Jason Tatum had arguably, arguably his best season as a pro, as did Jalen Brown, but Jalen Brown's a free agent. Joe Mazzulla, there's some question marks there. I'll get to that in my second segment, as well as... People are going to get mad at me. I threw in a little Warriors topic, but it is relevant. Bob Myers, the longtime GM of the Golden State Warriors, after 11 seasons, has decided to step down from that position. Uh, and so Golden State is now going to have to look for a new GM, although it appears they have one, maybe two, in the building. I'll get to that. And at the end of today's show, I'm going to do what everybody is going to be doing all throughout this week leading up to Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Predicting the, forget game one, I'll predict game one on Thursday. Predicting the NBA Finals in totality. Who wins the championship? Okay, it doesn't matter what you do in the regular season, okay? 20, 30 teams came into the season, some with unrealistic expectations. I'm looking at you, Sacramento Kings, with uh, you know goals of winning an NBA title. Only two remain. Only two have their dreams still alive. The Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. I will predict the series at the end of today's show, but first... I got to talk about game seven and one of the more anticipated seventh and final decisive games in a series that we've seen probably within the last decade, just given the storyline surrounding it. You've got a Miami Heat team that's obviously up 3 0. We know all the story goes. Only eight seed on NBA history, if I'm not mistaken, to make a finals playing a full season. The Knicks, not to take credit away from the Knicks, but 24 years ago in the 1999 finals, the Knicks made it. But, uh, again, it was a lockout shortened season, or strike shortened season, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, fifty the about 50 games played. Not to take any credit away from the Knicks, but, you know, that's that's what happened. So first team to play a full season, first eight seed to play a full season uh, and get to the finals, that was on the line for Miami. As for Boston, they were going to do potentially try and do something even more crazy to think about. 
first basketball team to ever come back from a 3-0 deficit in a best-of-seven series. And obviously the narrative, the storyline going in was, well, the city of Boston, Boston sports, kind of a his, has a history of these type of comebacks. The Red Sox, my Boston Red Sox back in 2004, being the first and still only MLB team to come back from a 3-0 deficit, doing so in grand fashion against the New York Yankees, which just makes me very happy to this day. The Yankees lose. <laughs> Poppy, who was a big part of that comeback. The Boston Bruins in the NHL did it twice. Uh, you can't come back from a 3-0 deficit in football, but you can come back from a big single-game deficit, which is what the Patriots iconically did back in Super Bowl 51, down 28-3 against the Atlanta Falcons. And so it's sort of, well, maybe it's just meant to be for Boston. Right, they win games four and five in blowout fashion. Game six, they win on a miracle of miracles on the tip in by Derek White. And now here's game seven they got at home. And I predicted the Heat to win yesterday. In large part because, A, I feel like if there's any team that could rebound from as gut-wrenching a loss as they suffered, it would be Miami, given the organizational structure, which I'll get to in just a second. But also the fact that this notion of, oh, Boston's got Game 7 at home. They're good. Are they? I said coming into last night, and I've said all playoffs long, I trust Boston way more on the road than I do at home. Dating back to the Eastern Conference semis last year, which outside of Malcolm Brogdon, basically the same team this year. Last year against the Milwaukee Bucks, they had four home games in that series. They went two and two. Last year against the Miami Heat, the same Miami Heat essentially, just this time with Kevin Love as an addition, although he didn't play at all last night. Against these Miami Heat, the Boston Celtics went... One and two at home against the Golden State Warriors. My still defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors, although that's going to change within the next two weeks or so. Boston, one and two at home. This year, first round against Atlanta, two and one, but a very confusing game five loss in which you're up three games to one. You have all the momentum. Atlanta doesn't have DeJounte Murray, and yet somehow, some way, you allow Trey Young to go crazy on you in the final minutes, and you execute very poorly in the final minutes of that game. Against the Philadelphia 76ers, what happened to the Boston Celtics? They went eh, two and two. They lost a game one with no Joel Embiid for Philly. They lost game five in blowout fashion to James Harden. We know his playoff history, although he showed himself later in the series, as we all know. And now in this series, they went one and three at home. If there's any team in the NBA in recent memory that flat out, I'm talking about like championship contending teams, that flat out does not have home court advantage. It's the Boston Celtics. I don't know. It's not the fan base. Fan base, I, I read reports talking about, man, it was loud in that place last night, which is just even more of a credit to Miami winning the game. But is it the pressure of the history of the Celtics getting to a lot of these still relatively young players? I don't know. I, 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 don't, I can't really describe it. But what I do know is... What this game came down to for me, and I talked about this on IG Live last night after the game was over, one word came to mind, patience. Did you notice Miami, really both teams, both teams could not throw it in the ocean to start the basketball game. I mean, Miami started two for 11. They're missing wide open shots. They're struggling just like they did in game six to get anything inside the paint. It's like, oh, you know, maybe this could be trouble for Miami. They stay poised. They didn't, uh, they didn't uh, let the, the emotion or the pressures of a game seven get to them. They didn't overreact. They're like, guys, it's the first quarter. The game is going to come to us eventually. Boston, on the other hand, not the case. You have Jason Tatum, who we obviously can't ignore the elephant in the room, literally first play of the game, turns his ankle and doesn't look the same after that. Although, let's, and I'm a Tatum fan, but let's give Jason Tatum that same energy we gave LeBron when he was playing through his injuries that we've given other stars in the past for playing through injuries. Jason Tatum did not play well last night. 14 points on 11 shots. Or, uh, was it was 13 shots. Uh, yeah, I think it was uh, 13 shots for Jason Tatum. 5 for 13 for the field, only 14 points. Jalen Brown was abysmal. And I talked about Jalen Brown last year during the finals. I said, man, Jalen is one of the better scorers in the NBA in terms of he's more like a slashing type of guy, solid three-point shooter, although he didn't show it in this series. He only shot 16% from three. 
his handle's atrocious. Like he has no, I, I almost think I, I can't handle basketball for, for the life of me. I think I can handle basketball better than, better than Jalen Brown. I mean, come on, dude, eight turnovers. He's dribbling off his foot. He's throwing these ill-advised passes as are other Celtics like Tatum and Smart. What are you doing? And I said last year, Jalen, you got to focus on the handles. I'm not going to sit here and say he did or didn't, but it doesn't look like it. So does he address that this offseason? Obviously, Jalen's got even bigger concerns in terms of he's a free agent. Does he stay in Boston? Does he turn down a Supermax extension? Does he go elsewhere? We'll see. But this was a Miami Heat team that played poised, that played under control, that understood the gravity of the moment. As for Boston, a Miami team that played uh, poised. As for Boston, started shooting a lot of threes. Would it stop shooting threes as the league grew bigger and bigger and bigger? They panicked. Similar to how Al Horford, after game six, as I talked about in yesterday's show, panicked when he fouled Jimmy Butler in the corner on that three-point attempt. They kind of have a history of this. And again, I want to give all the credit in the world to Eric Spolstra, who is, listen, I'm a big Steve Kerr guy as a Warriors fan. It's hard not to argue, or yeah, it's hard to make the case at this point that Eric Spolstra isn't the best coach in the NBA. It's really hard. Again, and this sort of leads to my second point about heat culture. We hear that all the time coming from heat fans, coming from the organization itself, but what does that really mean? What does heat culture mean? What does it mean to have the structure that they have? Well, they attached a name to it. They attached a slogan to it. But at the end of the day, I think it's what every basketball team that isn't overwhelmingly talented, and that's not to take a shot at Miami because Miami has talent. I'm talking about like, you know, Shaq Kobe talented or Golden State Warriors 2017 talented, like a Bulls 90s talented. Oh, most of the time, that's that's not how the NBA works. In my view, that's how every franchise should build their organization. Pat Riley, the godfathers they call him, the evil genius as I call him, just finding the right pieces to put in the place to, 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 to put together the puzzle for Eric Spolstra to put out on the floor. I mean, last night, you have guys like uh, uh, this kid who played uh, the other night in Game 5, you Haywood Highsmith, who, play, again, he played, he only scored two points last night, played really well in Game 5, earned minutes to be put in this, in this chance to put in this opportunity to, to, to make it happen. Again, Caleb Martin, who, you know, Jimmy's my guy. I think Caleb Martin should have been the MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals. I really do. I mean, what do he average? Like 20 points a game or something? Around 20 points a game on like 60% shooting? Like he was great in this series. I'm not mad at Jimmy getting it because I love Jimmy. And you could argue, hey, they gave it to Jimmy just for the fact that he kind of helped get them, kind of helped, kind of carried them to this point. And then it was the role players who stepped up in the Eastern Conference Finals. I understand that. But Pat Riley finding these undrafted players, finding the guys that fits with the culture, Finding guys that fit with playing hard every night, playing great defense, playing patient, good offense, passing up good shots for great shots. You have Eric Spolster, who's now the second longest tenured head coach in the NBA to Greg Popovich. This is his 12th, no, 13th year in Miami. Again, having guys ready to play night in, night out. I mean, again, is there any tougher position as a coach to be in than after that game six? As far as an individual playoff series. Your team's up 3-0, feeling themselves as they should be. You lose game four, game five. You're like, okay, got game six at home. We'll close that then. And not only do you lose, you lose in the fashion that they did. How many coaches have their team ready to play? And not just ready to play, ready to come out and (laughs) dominate Boston. The following night, that's Eric Spolstra. There was a lot of talk around the heat talking about how after game six was over, he came in with a very positive, we're going to get them in game seven attitude. Jimmy Butler sort of uh, mirrored that same sort of confidence in the post-game presser. Again, having your team ready to play night in and night out. That's Eric Spolstra. Again, I talked about, and I gave Joe, Maz- Joe Mazzulla credit, and I'm not a big Joe Mazzulla guy, and I don't want to be brutal on him because the fact is he shouldn't should not have been in this position because Will Hardy, who was the assistant coach of the Celtics, got hired by the Utah Jazz. Okay, and then you have the Ime Odoka situation. So all of a sudden, you got Joe Mazzulla who's just put in this position out of nowhere. But one thing I gave Joe Mazzulla credit for for the Celtics coming back to tie the series is keeping the team morale high, keeping the spirits high. Eric Spolster did the same thing. I would even argue to a greater extent. 
because this is game seven. This is your season on the line. You are arguably on the verge of the worst choke job in NBA history. And you didn't blink. It's a credit to Pat Riley for putting the pieces together. Eric Spolstra, night in and night out, having the guys ready to play. Steve Kerr is a great saying. He might have stole it from Greg Popovich, but I've heard Steve Kerr say it numerous times, so I'll quote him as saying it. In the NBA, 10% of coaching is X's and O's. The other 90% is managing personalities. Does anybody do that as well as Eric Spolstra? I would argue no. And then lastly, as he's been called in recent days, Hemi Butler. You know, because he got the I'm him sort of thing on social media. Jimmy Butler, playoff Jimmy, as he's become known over the past few years since he joined the Miami Heat. You know, we talk about guys who we go into the playoffs and we're like, can they... Can they be as consistent? I'm talking about great players. Can they be as consistent in the playoffs as they are in the regular season? Because we know it might as well be a different sport in the playoffs. It's officiated differently. It's coached differently. The pace is different. The pressure is different. The energy from the home and road courts are different. Might as well be a different sport. Who elevates? Who stays the same? Who gets worse? Could we make the case that as far as current players... Not talking about NBA history, not talking about guys 10 years ago. I'm talking about right now. Could I make the case that Jimmy Butler is the only player in the NBA who gets substantially better? I'm talking about of star to superstar players who get substantially better in the playoffs. You could make that case for Nikola Jokic this year, who is going to be facing the finals, obviously. But when you talk about what Jimmy Butler has done this postseason, similar to Eric Spolstra, instilling confidence in this franchise, instilling confidence in his teammates night in, night out, getting guys involved, getting his own shot, playing excellent defense, big hustle plays. He had three steals last night. That's who Jimmy Butler has been over the course of his career. And I remember talking before carving it up live was even carving it up live. It was just carving it up back at the, back at the time during the bubble when the Heat made the finals, won the East. I remember talking about on this show and they actually beat these same Boston Celtics in six games. Jimmy's in Chicago. Oh, he's a problem in the locker room. They move off from him. How's how good has Chicago been since? You got the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, Minnesota. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Jimmy is too hard on Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. And he left and what's Minnesota been since? They traded Wiggins, who went to a better culture and has thrived. And Carl Anthony Towns looks like he's probably going to be that way out, on the way out the door as well. And Minnesota is as poorly run a franchise as we have in professional sports. Oh, Philadelphia. And this is the ultimate gaffe. Oh my goodness. We cannot deal with Jimmy. We cannot give him that, that max extension to make him a part of our future. We are going to hand the franchise to Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Tobias Harris. And how has that worked for Philadelphia? They yet still have yet to get to an Eastern Conference Finals. Ben Simmons is no longer with the team for good reason. Tobias Harris has been a massive disappointment when you look at what he's getting paid by Philadelphia. And Joel Embiid, let's be honest, not a playoff player. And Jimmy Butler... Just completed his third Eastern Conference Finals in four years and has the Miami Heat, a stable culture, a great culture, in position to win an NBA Finals in his second NBA Finals in four years. That's part of why I love the fact that these two teams are on this stage. We talk about talent. We talk about pieces that fit. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the culture that matters. It's why Golden State won the championship last year. It's why Milwaukee won two years before that over. Oh, my goodness. You remember two years ago, everybody was on Brooklyn. Heck, I was on Brooklyn. Even I was guilty of this. Oh, they got KD and Kyrie and Harden. They're going to be unstoppable. Yeah, but they don't have the culture. Milwaukee did. Milwaukee won the series. They went on to win the championship. Hopefully, the Miami Heat's business model, the way they do things, you know what it reminds me of a little bit, to use an NFL example? And this is going to make my Cowboy fans, uh, uh, Cowboy fan uh, buddies out there mad. They remind me a little bit of the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia will have a year where they're just, eh, they're not very good. But they always get something out of it. The one year where they were straight garbage, they got Jalen Hurts. Right? Jalen Hurts played those last few games of the year. You saw something there. Maybe we can build him into, and you see three years later, he's, in my view, the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. You have a GM. A solid GM, you, you know, he, he, he knows his place, the coach knows his place, the team knows their place. Everybody has a role to play. To use a Bill Belichick quote, do your job. Everybody in Miami knows their job and does it to the best of their ability. 
And that is why they're in their second finals in four years. Congratulations to the Miami Heat. They deserve it. They earn this. And we'll see what happens in the NBA Finals where they are massive, massive underdogs against the Denver Nuggets. A comment here. John Rivera, Jimmy Buckets. He was Jimmy Buckets last night. And he really kind of redeemed himself because, look, Jimmy played great the first two games. Didn't play very well in game three, but he really didn't have to. His teammates kind of stepped up for him uh, in Boston that game. I said the next day on the show, uh, pretty much quit. But games four through the fourth quarter of game six, uh, one didn't play very well. Now he went on that 10, 10 straight point scoring run at the end of game six, which almost won them the game in the series. And then last night, gives you 28, seven, six, and three steals. Uh, and by the way, uh, sh- uh, playing 43 minutes. That's what he does. He's one of those, du- those dudes, like we, we, we kind of cringe. Some guys are like, oh God, don't screw this up. You don't have to ever worry about, you don't have to ever worry about that with Mr. Jimmy. Butler. Now for Boston, what do they do? They've got Jason Tatum, who I thought had Boston won the series, was pushing to potentially be a top five player in the NBA. By the way, here's my list. This was coming into the playoffs. I always do this. My top 10 NBA players coming in the playoffs, and then once the finals are over, I'll do my top 10 after that. Obviously, this list you're about to see is going to look very different uh, in two to three weeks. But I had uh, Jason Tatum at seven, arguably pushing the top five, have Boston advanced. Because obviously Luka's not in the playoffs, so he couldn't, you know, he couldn't add or subtract from anything that he's done. Joel Embiid, massive disappointment in the playoffs. Kevin Durant did not play well at, in, in large stretches in the second round against the Denver Nuggets. LeBron was great in some stretches and eh, in others, right? Steph Curry went out second round. Giannis went out to Jimmy Butler in the first round. So Jason Tatum kind of had a wide open hole to potentially push himself into that top five group. Again, I understand he turned the ankle. I get that. I I understand that. But I'm of the mindset I'm always consistent on this. Always. Is that if we're going to give certain energy to some guys, if they play through injuries and don't play well, let's give it to others if we consider them on a similar similar echelon of uh, of players. And Jason Tatum is in that group. He's back-to-back first-team All-NBA. And a guy who averaged, coming into last night, averaged 30 in elimination games. Jalen Brown, once again, as I talked about, a turnover machine. Eight turnovers last night. Only four off of the all-time playoff record for a single game, James Harden, back in the 2015 Western Conference Finals. What does Boston do? Where do they go from here? To me, I think the first first bit of business, once the offseason officially commences for everybody, is Jalen Brown. He's eligible for a Supermax extension. I think it's going to pay him around $290 million over the next five years or so. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What do you do with him? Does Jalen Brown even want to come back? He's done some interviews over the last month where it doesn't really sound like he wants to come back to Boston. And a lot of that Jalen was talking about was every time there's a big player on the trade market, be it Kevin Durant, be it potentially Damian Lillard, I'm always shot. It's not Marcus Smart or Al Horford. It's always including me. Like at some point, can I be one of those guys who's in the 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 fabric of the Celtics franchise in terms of their future? And you not just keep putting me out there. Hey, he's available. He's like, dog. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an All NBA player, multi time All Star, average over twenty a game. Like in some series, I've been better than the best player, Jason Tatum. So that has contributed to his frustration. Does he even want to come back? If he does, are you are you comfortable giving him an extension of that magnitude? And the second thing is, and this really kind of feels like an elephant in the room for the Boston Celtics, Joe Missoula. Now, again, as I brought up in the, in the first segment talking about the Miami Heat, look, again, I don't want to be brutal on Missoula because, first of all, I think he's a good dude. Uh, again, he had a great press conference moment after, I think, game five last week that was awesome. And the reality is, he again, he should not have been in this position. 
or was expected to at the very least, because you have the Ime Odoka situation in which he uh, uh, departs from Boston. Who his replacement would have been, Will Hardy, was nabbed by Danny Ainge of the Utah Jazz to be their head coach. And so now it's like, oh, crap, we don't have a head coach like weeks before the season starts. Well, okay, I guess it's you, Joe Missoula. My question to the Celtics brass, to the Celtics front office would be this. What is the upside of keeping him? Aside from continuity, because if they do fire Joe Missoula, next year would be the fourth. We talk about the success the Celtics have had over the last few years, but it would be the fourth head coach in as many years for the Celtics. Two years ago, it was Brad Stevens. Last year, Ime Odoka. This year, Joe Missoula. Now, there's no question Boston would be a very attractive destination. You have two star players, assuming Jalen Brown is back. You have a deep roster, deep bench, and you're as talented as any team that's trying to contend in the Eastern Conference. It's a very attractive job. But Nick Nurse is now off the market to the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, uh, uh, Milwaukee just got their uh, new head coach as an assistant from the Toronto Raptors. So what do you do? I mean, are you going to bring Doc Rivers? Is that, we kind of know Doc's history. You could try and bring him back and, you know, like just like old times in 08, but newsflash, this Celtics team is not as good as the Garnett, Pierce, and Ray Allen Celtics teams. They're not. I think that goes without saying. I think any Celtics fan would agree with me there. It's an interesting offseason for Boston. Is it one where you just panic and, you know, just ship everybody? No. You were a game away from the NBA Finals after getting to that point last year and last year, as flawed as you were, it took the greatest game Steph Curry's ever played just to get Golden State back in that series, and they eventually won it in six games. People are freaking out. Again, Jason Tatum did not play well last night. I, I, I'll be the first to admit that. But he's not even in his prime yet. I'm not saying that to excuse last night. I'm saying that to say, you he still got a lot of really good to great years left as the face of the Celtics franchise. You're telling me you can't get back to an NBA Finals as talented as this Boston Celtics team is? And as a credit to them, I remember talking about Boston after the Finals was over last year and saying the one thing they need to do, they need to get a point guard. And they did that getting Malcolm Brogdon. People forget too, Danilo Gallinari did not play a dribble for the Celtics, which was a, you know, he was a huge acquisition for them, but... He hurt his knee overseas, blew out his knee, and didn't, again, he wasn't healthy for the entirety of the season. Does he come back? Is he able to be a big contributor off the bench for them? So I don't think this is a panic offseason like, like what is for Philadelphia, like where it's like, oh, crap, what do we do? I think you move on from Joe Missoula. You see who's out there in the market. Again, it feels like just about anybody, aside from Doc Rivers, would be an upgrade over Coach Missoula. Because, again, this is a guy who, simply put, was in over his head. You have your head coach, Emi Odoka. Now he's gone. You had his replacement, Will Hardy. He's gone. It was an emergency hiring. I mean, listen, it, Joe Mazzula is, is like, a, you know, is, to use an old analogy, he's, he's like, a, if, you, if you're, you, you come home and there's, you know, it's a snowstorm and you don't really have much food in the pantry, but you got a piece of chocolate cake. It's probably not the best thing to eat for, for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, but it just kind of gets you through the day. That was Joe Mazzula for the Boston Celtics this year. So I think the Celtics need to move on, but they got to focus on potentially bringing, bringing Jalen Brown back because that is, if they lose Brown for nothing, if they trade him, that's a different story. If they do like a sign-in trade, they could get a good haul for him. But if they lose Jalen Brown for nothing, they kind of fall out of contention in my view, unless they make a big-time deal for like a Damian Lillard or, or something like that, which I think both the Lakers and the Heat are more likely to get Dame than Boston is, but we shall see. But I don't think it's a doom and gloom offseason for the Celtics. I, I I really don't. And I'm seeing, I heard some people calling Game 7 a choke job by Boston. And you guys know, to me, choke is the most overused word in sports. To me, I've always said this. The definition for me of choke is you were expected to win. You were supposed to win. And not only did you not win, the moment looked too big for you. Now, you can maybe make that case because Boston, people say, you know, Chuck was talking after the game. He had a great soundbite about the Celtics playing, you know, dumb basketball. But were the Celtics jacking threes up? Yes. But they also, you watched that first quarter, they had some wide open looks. 
So is that them getting tight? I think I tweeted this during the game, and they only scored 15 the first quarter. Is that nerves? Is that maybe? But again, they were down 3-0. Like, it would have been a much greater choke job had the Heat lost than if the Celtics had lost. Like, blowing the first 3-0 lead in NBA history would have been pretty horrible. It would have been the worst choke in NBA history. Literally, by definition. So, congrats to the Heat. Celtics, it's not only it's doom and gloom. Yet. If you lose Jalen Brown for nothing, different story. But if you retain him or are able to move on from him and get another star play in return, then you're right back in business as a contender in the East. That is if you move on from your current head coach, Joe Missoula. To a Golden State Warriors topic. I know you guys are really excited about this one. Uh, and it feels like a lot of people are starting to, to dance on the grave of the Golden State Warriors, you know, just another uh, bit of material for them to use. Oh, Dynasty's over. Bob Myers, longtime GM of the Golden State Warriors for 11 years. He has announced uh, today, he, he announced to Agent Warjanowski, and if I'm not mistaken, he may or may not have had a press conference today. I wasn't able to, to catch that one, but he is stepping down as the GM of the Warriors. He's There's rumors he might move on to work as an executive at Disney, at Apple. He's well-equipped to do both, very active. You know, obviously the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, we understand how the business there works. Uh, and obviously, as, as Woj said in his article, if he were to enter back into an executive role in the NBA, heck in sports, but certainly in the NBA, given his history, uh, given his basketball history, you know, he'll be the most sought at one of the most sought after candidates uh, for a GM role or another front office role in NBA history, which I would agree. First of all, before I say anything, I want to, as a lifelong Golden State Warriors fan, I don't have, well, I, I got a hat right here, uh, tip my cap off to Bob Myers for 11 unbelievable years as the GM of the Golden State Warriors. People forget, he drafted Draymond Green in the second round. That was his first ever second round pick, okay? You can see the fact that, listen, he doesn't deserve all the credit for this. The players do as well. But Bob Myers got this guy to come to Golden State. You may or may not have heard from him, uh, or heard of him rather. Uh, yeah, Kevin Durant. Yeah, he got he got him too. He brought him to Golden State. You know, was able to kind of finesse the cap a little bit with Steph's contract and everything. Brought KD in. KD got two championships. At Golden State, and even that people forget this. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. People, we just remember Katie leaving Golden State to go to Brooklyn. No, 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 no. It was a sign-in trade. Bob Myers got D'Angelo Russell from the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for Kevin Durant in a sign-in trade. And what did he turn D'Angelo Russell into? Jonathan Kaminga, but more importantly, Andrew Wiggins. So Golden State never gets Wiggins if they don't do the sign-in trade with Kevin Durant. Now, did Bob Myers have some gaps here and there? Yeah, he missed on the Wiseman pick. He, you know, Kaminga and Moody, I don't think he missed on those picks. I just don't think they're ready to play right now. You know, he traded Wiseman for a guy that the Warriors actually let go, Gary Payton II. So you can make a case like, well, he made his mistakes. Reality is, you're there 11 years, you're going to make mistakes. But overwhelmingly, year in and year out, anytime they were healthy, he put the Golden State Warriors in terms of a roster standpoint, as far as a roster standpoint, in position to compete for championships, of which he, as a general manager, led them to four. So nothing but love and nothing but respect to Bob Myers, uh, who, again, repeating what Woj said, if he decides to enter back into the NBA as an executive, he's going to get some massive offers by a lot of teams, and rightfully so. And what's also great, too, is he maintained great relationships. He's real close with Steve Kerr. He's tight with Steph Curry, with Draymond Green. So you have that aspect to it. Now, to the narrative surrounding this, this notion that the Golden State Warriors dynasty has all of a sudden shattered and come to an end because Bob Myers has left. 
is, of course, per usual, greatly exaggerated. There is one crucial silver lining to this that people are missing. I mentioned Bob Myers has a very tight relationship with Draymond Green, right? Bob is the type of dude, because we don't know what Jordan Poole's future in Golden State is. I'm hoping they move on from him. I think a lot of Warriors fans are hoping that. Bob Myers is the type of dude to go to Draymond Green, who is a free agent, if he decides to not take the last year, to opt in the last year of his contract. Bob Myers is the type of guy to go to Draymond Green and say, hey, Dre, he could maybe convince him to take less money to keep Jordan Poole if that was in the Warriors' future plans. The new GM, who I believe, no, I don't have sourcing on this, but I think is going to be Mike Dunleavy Jr., who works within the Warriors' front office. I think he's going to be the new general manager. Draymond's not going to hear that from him. He's not going to say, okay, timeout. Or he's going to say, wait, you want me to take less money? You want me to take a discount and take less than the guy I punched to, get to, to take less than Jordan Poole, who was straight trash in the playoffs and was mostly bad in the regular season coming off the bench? You want me to take less than him? Uh, thank you. Talk to the hand. I'll see y'all uh, next offseason when I'm a member of another team. Because Draymond's leaving if that's the case. So the silver lining is, this probably means Jordan Poole's gone. But also, people forget this. Uh, the fix to the Golden State Warriors problem does not take a GM to the caliber of Bob Myers to fix. We know what the core represents. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. Those are the three. If you don't have any one of the three, obviously Steph, that goes without saying. But if you don't have Clay. I'm skeptical about your your chance to compete. If you don't have Draymond, I'm out on your chances to compete. And obviously, if you if there's no Steph, you're pretty much a lottery team. But you have have all three with Andrew Wiggins, with Kevon Looney, both of which are in for the long run. You have a bench with Dante DiVincenzo, who says he absolutely wants to stay in Golden State. You just fill in the team with veterans, fill in the team with guys like just like they did two years ago. They brought in Otto Porter Jr. They brought in Gary Payton II, who also is locked into Golden State for the long term, by the way. They brought in Nemanja Bialica, who was key for them in the playoffs, bringing in vet men guys. Again, that's that's where the Warriors have always had their most success in terms of role players, is veteran guys. If you remember, Bob Myers' also big move he made was hiring Steve Kerr. Like, they fired Mark Jackson, which I remember that happened. I was outraged as a Warriors fan. The NBA was like, what are you doing? And you bring in Steve Kerr, and the rest is history. But how did Bob Myers construct the team after he hired Steve Kerr? A bunch of veterans. He brought in a bunch of veterans. He brought in Sean Livingston. He brought in Leandro Barbosa. The year prior to the Kerr hiring, he brought in Andre Iguodala, who ended up winning a finals MVP and being a key member to the dynasty. The fix is simple in Golden State. Bring in veterans who fit with the culture, with the program, with the system. Similar to how the Miami Heat have done. Bringing in Kevin Love, bringing in Kyle Lowry. That's what Golden State needs to go by a similar formula. It's what's gotten them to this point. It's what's gotten them to being the greatest dynasty in NBA history aside from the 90s Bulls. So that's the good thing for Golden State. It's not like, God, they got to make this big trade. No, they really don't. Again, Almost nothing went well went in the Golden State Warriors' favor. You say, oh, you're making excuses. Folks, you cannot win the NBA championship if almost everything doesn't go your way. By the way, for the record, almost everything did go Golden State's way last year. They won the championship. I mean, you got to, if you get the breaks, you got to take advantage of them. That's the thing. The Golden State didn't get a whole lot of breaks this year. You have the Draymond Green, Jordan Poole incident. You have uh, Andrew Wiggins misses basically two months, which really cost the team in terms of, uh, of winning key crucial games for playoff seeding. Steph Curry has two major injuries. You have Jordan Poole who regresses badly this season. Not a whole lot went their way this year. The young players didn't step up. So all of that happened, and Golden State was two wins away from the Western Conference Finals. So I don't think, again, similar to the Boston Celtics, this is not a doom or gloom or doom and gloom offseason for Golden State. 
And it's just like Steph Curry said himself in different terms that I'm putting it. But Steph did say this. The dynasty is not over as long as I'm here. Steph's words, not mine. And the dynasty is not over as long as the core is there. Steph, Draymond, Clay. Now, again, if you lose Draymond, even as a Warriors fan, I'm out on you as contenders. You cannot compete for a championship. He's too important in terms of setting the edge. He's by far your best defensive player. And that's on a team with Andrew Wiggins, who's a great perimeter defender. Uh, his ability to set up Steph and Clay with good looks. So goal number one for the Warriors this offseason was retain Bob Myers. They failed. But it's not for lack of trying because Joe Lacob did offer Bob Myers reportedly a contract that would pay him $10 million a year. But other reports had said while that those reports were true about what Joe Lacob was offering Bob Myers, he was kind of burnt out on basketball. He was like, I need time off, which is understandable. Man, he's been doing this for 11 years. A lot of championship contending seasons. It takes a lot out of you. I understand. And I salute Bob Myers for making that kind of decision. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, and I, again, I wish him the very best. He's going to excel whatever field he goes in. And the second he steps back in the NBA, if he so decides... He's going to be a very sought-after candidate, and rightfully so. As for Golden State, does it raise my level of concern? Not in the slightest. As a matter of fact, it actually kind of makes me more optimistic that they're going to move on from Jordan Poole, if they want to keep Draymond Green, that is. That's just me. If I know anything about the Warriors brass and the Warriors structure, uh, if Draymond Green leaves Golden State, it ain't going to be because Steph Curry and Steve Kerr didn't put in the, you know, didn't put their input in to try and keep him. So I feel great about the Warriors next season. Denver is going to be the favorites in all likelihood. I mean, we got to see how the offseason plans out. It plays out. We the finals haven't been played yet. I'm about to predict the finals in just a second. But if you look at the West next year, if there's not a ton of crazy movement in the West, which I don't anticipate that'll be the case. But if you ran it back next year with the same teams, Denver would be the favorite, and then it's a free-for-all after that. It's the Lakers. It's the Warriors. Sacramento's going to be a year older and better. Uh, Memphis is a dumpster fire. Who cares about them? Uh, you've got Phoenix. Do they fill in, fill in some holes there? The Clippers, again, forget about the Clippers. They're dumpster fire as well. Not in terms of how they run the franchise, but in terms of the hold that Kawhi has on them with those uh, very, very large hands. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be a very exciting offseason for Golden State, and I have no doubt whatsoever that whoever the new GM is, if it's Kirk Lakeup, who's Joe Lakeup's son, which I don't know if I'd be quite as keen on that hire, or if it's Mike Dunleavy Jr., which I'd be much more cool with, if he's the new GM, Golden State's fine. Fill in some vet men, guys, and you're right back in a championship contention next year. Nothing went the Warriors' way this year, and yet they were still in the second round that close to the Western Conference Finals. You fill in the holes that you didn't weren't able to fill this year without the drama that you had to deal with this year. You're right back in business in 2024. The NBA Finals start a little over 48 hours from now. I really do the math uh, about uh, 50 hours from now. Uh, from today to, yep, yeah, 50, about 50 hours from now to game one on Thursday. And so, like everybody is doing, uh, and I, I want to go ahead and pull the pull this up real quick before I officially make my predictions because I saw this from uh, from Sham Sharania, who's you know one of the best reporters. By the way, Shams, real quick, uh, Shams reported, and I saw this that last night you want to talk about people talk about playing through injuries in the playoffs. And like I said in IG Live last night, everybody's hurt at this stage of the playoffs, so I don't really want to hear the injury excuse from anybody. But I will give I'll, I'll give some leeway to one guy who plays for Boston, and that's Robert Williams. Robert Williams. This is according to Shams. Do we have the yeah? Do we have the report uh, from Shams? Hold on. Okay, here it is. This is from Shams earlier today. He said, "Quote: I'm told Robert Williams was throwing up 
during Game 7 that he had a stomach virus. So here's Robert Williams out here playing through a stomach virus, throwing up in between timeouts. Man, uh, listen, you don't have to question the heart or the toughness of that guy. Man, respect to him, man. He he he, he left it all out there. Quite literally. <laughs> Thank God he didn't vomit in the court. That would have been a disaster. Uh, but okay, I just, let me see if I can pull up this this stat uh, uh, about the odds of the NBA Finals. So that was very, very fascinating. Uh, if I could get this in. Hang on. Gosh, if I could just, if I could find the line, because the line for Denver-Miami was like, wow. Let's see. Because again, Denver's the one seed out of the West. Miami is the eight seed out of the East. So obviously you have, you have that. Okay, I can't find the exact number, but I did read this earlier. Okay, so the Denver in the last 16 years, the Denver Nuggets are the biggest favorite to win the NBA Finals. But let me rephrase that. In the last 16 years, the Denver Nuggets have the second best chance of anybody in that time span to beat their finals opponent, according to Vegas. Do you want to know who first place is? I think it's a pretty easy guess, but I'll give you a second. The 2017 Golden State Warriors over the 2017 Cleveland Cavaliers. So what Vegas is saying is that the gap between Denver and Miami is almost as big as the gap between the Cavs, who were very good in 2017. Actually, they were a great team in 2017, and the greatest team ever assembled? I beg to differ on that one. I mean, again, that's we can argue about Bulls-Warriors. I think the, Bulls, the Warriors will smoke the Bulls. I think the more appropriate opponent for the Warriors as far as the all-time player all-time team discussion would have been the 01 Lakers, uh, who went like 15-1 and during the playoffs. The Warriors went 16-1. and I think that would have been a more fair fight. Golden State would have smoked the Bulls. But that's not here nor there. But I just thought, I, I saw that stat today. I was like, God, they, they, they're not giving Miami a chance in this series. And so... Uh, we might as well, if I could pull up the background music real quick to go ahead and predict this final. Just a little going, let's go and dive right into it, man. Okay? We, we've had a long 82-game NBA season. Everything that's happened now fun. All of the trades during the season, all of the, the teams that caught us off guard, like the Sacramento Kings and all the teams that disappointed us, like the Los Angeles Clippers. And here we are. It is down to two. The Eastern Conference champions, the eight seed, Miami Heat, who gentlemen swept the one seed Milwaukee Bucks in the first round to get this playoff run kicked off, who beat the four seed, I'm sorry, the five seed New York Knicks in six games of the second round, and last night beat the two seed Boston Celtics in seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals to get to this point. As for the Denver Nuggets, the one seed, the best team in the West, start to finish all year long. They took care of the 8C Minnesota Timberwolves in a gentleman's sweep in five games. They took care of the Phoenix Suns in the second round in six games, and they didn't gentleman sweep. They got out the brooms. They legit, they swept the Los Angeles Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Nuggets are big favorites to win the series, as I just mentioned. The second biggest favorites to win a finals in the last 16 years. So... From a matchup standpoint, because at the end of the day, that's usually what decides these series, you would argue that Denver has a lot of the advantages in terms of size. Miami doesn't really have any other big men outside of Bama Adebayo, who had a rough Eastern Conference Finals against the likes of Al Horford and Robert Williams, to be specific. You have plenty of perimeter defenders. Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon was great defensively in the Eastern and in the Western Conference Finals. KCP's a good defender. Bruce Brown is starting to emerge as one of the better guard defenders in the NBA, not in the, not the caliber of like a Marcus Smarter or Drew Holiday, certainly, but getting in that discussion and can give you 15 points a night, by the way, as well. He's been excellent in this playoff run. And you got Michael Malone, who, as I have religiously stated on this show, has been one of the most, if not the most, underrated and over-criticized head coaches in the NBA. You talk about the adjustment he makes from series to series. You talk about the adversity that this Nuggets team has faced from time to time. Remember the bubble where they were down 3-1 twice to the Utah Jazz and to the LA Clippers and came back from it 
both times that's never been done in NBA history. Nikola Jokic is having an insane postseason. Is putting himself in that discussion potentially, certainly would with a championship, to maybe be the best player in all of basketball, to be the best player in the world. Validating, in the eyes of many, those two MVPs that he won the last couple of seasons prior to this one, in which he finished, I think, second for MVP to Joel Embiid. Averaging a triple-double on insane efficiency and doing what he's been doing. Jamal Murray. We talk about playoff Jimmy. Well, there's playoff Jamal as well. When you talk about the impact he's had, multiple uh, some 40 burgers in the playoffs, multiple 30-point games in closeout games. He's been doing this his whole playoff career, especially, again, when you look back to the bubble in 2020, had 250 burgers in this past series against the L.A. Lakers. Very easily, you could argue, could have been the Western Conference Finals most valuable player. They have good veteran leadership, again, with guys like KCP, uh, with guys like uh, Bruce Brown, with guys like Jeff Green, who's been here, who's done that, who's been around the block back in the NBA Finals for him. And Denver, of course, has the home court advantage, and as great a home court advantage as any team could have, given the altitude mile high in Denver. That's that's kind of my breakdown of the Denver Nuggets. As for Miami, we know who playoff Jimmy is, what he represents. He is the greatest player in the NBA today that elevates his game in the playoffs. You could argue Jokic in that regard, but I would give Jimmy the slight edge there, although Jokic is obviously the better player. But you have a supporting cast that we continue to disrespect and label as, oh, they're underdogs or they're, uh, you know, the, the undrafted players, your Duncan Robinsons, your Caleb Martins, your Max Struces of the world, your Gabe Vincents of the world. But then you overlook the fact that those guys have been key for the Heat all season. You look at the fact that a guy like Caleb Martin could have been the Eastern Conference Finals most valuable player, shooting basically 60% from the field. And playing a big-time Game 7 last night, for the record, Gabe Vincent had an outstanding series until he twists his ankle against the Boston Celtics. Duncan Robinson, one of the best spot-up shooters in the NBA. And then you talk about the veteran leadership, guys like Kyle Lowry, guys like Kevin Love, and who can forget the OG himself, Udonis Haslam. This will be his final series as a Miami Heat. We'll see whether or not he takes the floor if the Miami Heat are in position to close out the championship. We'll see and the culture of Miami. As great of a coach as Michael Malone is, and I think absolutely deserves the respect that he's been getting, Eric Spolster, I think, is, is making it more and more difficult to argue that he's not the best coach in the NBA. He has done a fantastic job with this group. This team has this team will out-hustle you. This team is not scared of the big moment. And it, a lot of that has to do with their best player. Oftentimes, we see this in the NFL and in the NBA. The team kind of carries the image, the the uh, identity of its best player, and that's what the Heat have done with Jimmy Butler. And really, Jimmy Butler's done that off of Heat culture. Bam Adebayo is really my only concern. He had a rough Eastern Conference Finals, and you do have concerns like, what is he going to do to stop Nikola Jokic? Because to this point, nobody has, and I don't anticipate he'll have a whole lot of answers for Jokic. I think he has a big series. Jokic does. Jamal Murray's going to be the interesting part. Interesting player. Does Miami put on him? Miami's a great three-point defense to this point in the playoffs. Denver's a very good three-point shooting team with Murray, KCP, Michael Porter Jr., guys that can knock it down from the outside. Even Jokic is an excellent three-point shooter. He just doesn't take a ton of them. When I look at this series, though, again, Miami hasn't faced a team as... Individually for this playoffs, as battle-tested as Denver is. Conversely, similarly, Denver hasn't faced a team as mentally tough as this Heat team is. I can't quantify it. I can't really describe it. But I'm going to step back. And with the drum roll, please, do we have the drum roll, please? I'm going to take the Miami Heat to win the NBA championship in six games. The Heat will be your 2023 NBA champions. It will be their fourth title in franchise history. They won back in 06, 2013, uh, 2012, and 2013, and they will win 10 years later in 2023. And the man himself, the best player in the postseason, 
Jimmy freaking Butler, as Kevin Harlan called him during game one of the Easter Conference Finals, will be your finals most valuable player. We are leaving out the fact, too. Don't forget this. You know who's going to be back for the Miami Heat by around game three? Tyler Hero, who averages 20 points a game. Remember how he played last year in the final, or a few years ago in the finals against the Lakers? Very well. Had some big time games. Remember that, or the, the viral mode with the, the snarl, you know, toward the Lakers bench. He's back. He's well rested. He's ready to go. Excellent score that Miami's going to get back. And something else, too, for Miami. They got numerous players with finals experience. Jimmy, Hero, uh, 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 Adebayo, Kevin Love, Kyle Lowry. Obviously, Udonis Haslam's probably not going to play, but he's got plenty of finals experience. This will be his seventh trip there. Eric Spolstra, this will be his seventh trip, sixth as the head coach of the Miami Heat. Denver, they've never been here before. Outside of really KCP and Jeff Green, they have nobody who's even sniffed a stage as big as this especially when they're expected to win, especially when the Heat are sitting back and saying, timeout. Nobody thought we could beat Milwaukee. We gentlemen swept them. Nobody thought we could beat the Knicks. We took care of them in six games. And nobody thought we could beat the Boston Celtics. And we held a 3-0 lead and ended up closing them out in their building in a game seven when nobody again thought we could win. And now we look at game one and we are eight and a half point dogs. When is, is it literally going to take us winning the championship for us to respect us? That's the mindset right now of the Miami Heat. Heat culture will get it done, and the Miami Heat will win in six games, and they will be your 2023 National Basketball Association champions, and Jimmy freaking playoff Butler will be the finals MVP. That is how the finals are going to play out. And I can't wait. Listen, are these two iconic brands? Denver's definitely not. This is their first NBA Finals, and I think I think this is the 35th uh, anniversary of the, of the founding of their franchise. This is their first Finals appearance. Miami is by no means a – they don't play a very, in no better terms, a very sexy brand of basketball. They don't have, outside of the last 15 years or so, a great that great of a history – they have Alonzo Moore. They had Alonzo Moore for that long run, but overwhelmingly, they don't have the history of the Celtics or the Lakers or even the Golden State Warriors or the San Antonio Spurs. Like they don't have that history. So the ratings may not be awesome, but it's going to be a great series. And listen, remember last week, last Monday, because two weeks ago I picked the Celtics uh, to win in seven games against the Miami Heat. And I'm, I am, I swear by pick integrity. I believe when you make a pick, you stand, you stand tall, you stand on your pick. And if you go down, well, then you go down. But you went down with your pick. You weren't flip flop. You're flip flopping. You're not inconsistent. You stand on your pick. But the one time I don't do that, I felt I had good reason to. I didn't change my pick. My pick is my pick. So I, I was technically incorrect on the series because I, Picked the Celtics for the series. But I apologize last Monday to the Miami Heat and their fan base because back in February, I'll, maybe I'll upload the clip on social media today. I said the Heat are championship contenders. I believed in them when nobody else in the national media did. And here they are. And so Heat faithful, Heat culture, the city of Miami, the Heat organization. I believe in you. You will win the championship. And... Listen, Miami is a party city to begin with. Who knows what it's going to look like when they're hoisting the Larry O'Brien Trophy. And I think they'll do so in their arena in game six. Nuggets fans already hate me as is. I mean, they've been, they've been, man, they've, they've been all over the place on me, man, on TikTok and Instagram. They are going to hate my guts. <laughs> they're going to hate my guts when they see this. Oh, I love it, though. Shout out to the city of Miami. The Heat will be your 2023 NBA champions. And that is all the time we have for today's special episode of Carving Up Live, a special Tuesday show. Again, we usually have a show, obviously, Monday, Tuesday, Friday. But because last night is Game 7 to decide who goes to the finals, I figured it was appropriate that I do a show today. But hope everybody uh, has a great week. Be sure to check out Carving Up Live 
on uh, Thursday at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network's YouTube channel. We'll be previewing game one of the NBA Finals between the uh, Nuggets and the Heat. And I'll be predicting game one. I'll predict game by game. So we'll be back on Thursday, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time, Twitter and YouTube at the Grid and on Carving It Up. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day and hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you listen and you get your podcast episodes. That is where you can find Carving It Up Live, where you can find any of our amazing content creators here at the Grid Network. Uh, Finals are upon us, ladies and gentlemen. We got basically 48 hours until tip-off of Game 1. I cannot wait. This season has flown by. It's going to be a great series. So have a great week, everybody. I'll see you on Thursday. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. Have a great great week, y'all. The finals are on Thursday. I'll see y'all then. God bless you all. Peace out. Heat in six. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.